Good morning, everyone. Learns our first reading from the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah uh, is uh, entreating all to trust in the Lord and not to trust in the earthly ways and earthly things. Uh, and he will go on to say, happy is that person uh, who does this. And uh, of course, he puts it in a very dramatic way, uh, the prophet. Uh, St. Paul uh, is speaking about the very resurrection of Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, God. And uh, he said, if there is no resurrection, then we have all been bamboozled. But he said, in fact, there has been. And that makes all the difference. And he will go on to say this over and over and over again. My friends, in our gospel, in English, we know it as blessed are. Uh, but the word that's used is beati. And beati means happy, happy are those, but it doesn't work very well in English, <laughs> really. Uh, so uh, just to get an idea and understand the words that are used and how they would have understood it then. And um, we see how it ties into the first reading because Jesus is coming down uh, and he's going to speak. My friends, this is um, Jesus' homily uh, from Luke's gospel, where it's known as the Sermon on the Mount, the homily. And in Matthew's gospel, where it also appears, and it's slightly different, uh, it's known as the Beatitudes, but it is Jesus giving a homily. And as a homilist myself, uh, we give homilies on that which is close to our heart. We, obviously, we speak about the truth and scriptures, but uh, those things that are passionate. So here's Jesus, and he's coming and he's speaking to people, and he's telling you what is on his heart. And Later, I'll explain something else in context, what's happening. Uh, but my friends, um, many folks, after they had heard something or seen something a number of times, they simply just don't look at it anymore, um, or they don't hear it anymore. And uh, Jesus' Sermon of the Mount has been a victim of this problem. Folks have heard it before in its totality. They've heard pieces of it. Uh, many, many, many times. And uh, people have uh, trained themselves over the years uh, to tune out that which they don't like, that which does not appeal to them, uh, that which doesn't make any sense. And um, this happens with this particular scripture reading. And uh, my friends, Christians can come into the house of God and look devout and be attentive to the word um, that is proclaimed to them for the hundredth time, and not actually attend to one word of the Scripture. Some folks uh, in the Christian world have said, the Ten Commandments are good enough for me. But I would like to point out that the Ten Commandments, known as the Decalogue, from the Old Testament was written thousands of years ago, but to a particular people, the Israelites, as they were moving out of captivity, commandments were a set of moralities to move them away from that. They are the law of the old covenant. But they are not enough for Christians. I know this, and you know this, because Jesus spoke about this, and he tinkered with them. My, my word. He, he kind of revised them a little bit. He certainly brought them to a new level, didn't he? And he said he came to fulfill them because they were not finished. We know this because Moses himself added 612 others to it. 
So Christians might say, I've looked at the Ten Commandments and I have not killed anyone this week. I have not committed adultery this week. I haven't worshipped any idols this week. That's very good. But it is not enough. That does not give the person who is baptized the right to claim that they are a disciple of Jesus. If one really wants to call themselves a disciple, that person will sooner or later have to come to terms with the Sermon on the Mount, with the Beatitudes found in Matthew's Gospel. The sermon itself, particularly with Luke's version, is not very appealing, is it? Here's the message. Blessed are you who are poor. No one wants to be poor. As a matter of fact, they want to win the lottery. Blessed are you who are now hungry. That's not a very attractive message. Most folks want to eat their full and enjoy life and party on, like on this day, Super Bowl Sunday. Blessed are you when people hate you. On the contrary, folks are inclined to think that they are happy and blessed if everyone likes them. Everyone wants to be liked. You can see it with social media. Well, how many likes do you have? Well, I only have a thousand. I don't have a footprint on that. I don't know what that is. Most of the time, the kids have to tell me. I don't know what that is. What's Snapchat? What is that? What is that? What is that? I don't understand what all that is. I only have a million likes. You get it? You see? They, how can you be happy if you don't have more than a million? If you have less than a million likes, you can't be happy. Well, my friends, uh, uh, this past week or two, I have not won any popularity contests. I've received a lot of not-so-nice email from folks. So, I don't have very many likes last week. The Sermon on the Mount, my friends, is a prescription for a revolutionary change of attitude, of mind and heart. Jesus did not come to be a revolutionary in kingdoms and politics. He came to change the hearts of people and their ways of thinking. And in that, then, uh, would uh, the world's established governments and stuff be influenced. Jesus is essentially putting forth that it is impossible to cling to the status quo of the world and its ways, to accept the world's version of value, to accept the world's version of morality, and at the same time wholeheartedly be faithful to him. He would say, it's not going to happen, it will not work. It does seem that most of the so-called Christian world has distanced themselves from the precepts found in the Sermon of the Mount and on the Beatitudes in Matthew's Gospel. How can we be faithful to Jesus and be liked by everyone? You're not going to be. There are people who do not like me simply, they don't know me, they just don't like me because I am a Catholic priest in the Catholic Church. And I have to be okay with it. Jesus said, Woe to you when all speak well of you. For many in the Christian world, they are going to have to acknowledge the distance 
between Jesus' words and some of their own personal values, and also some of the values we see expressed in the church at large of late, and in the ever-growing paganistic ideas of societies that we live in. There is an awakening needed in the Christian churches today. Last week I told you I spoke about my homily, about epiphanies and then transformations and conversions that leads to change. We need that today. And we are called to be true witnesses, disciples of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. The question then for the baptized, to what are your lives actually testifying to? What are you witnessing to? What we need in order to try and live in accordance with the teachings of Jesus, the Sermon of the Mount, certainly is grace. We need this. But we also need the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to all those who would ask. St. Paul told the Romans that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot grasp the gospel, let alone live by it. We will react like unbelievers who find it, meaning the scriptures and Jesus, foolish and impractical. But if we are humble and we humble ourselves and pray for the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds and our hearts, we would be able to embrace the ways of our Lord and walk in his holiness more often. My friends, truly the Old Testament Ten Commandments are only the starting point. They are a guideline for believing in God and living by a basic rule of morality. But the new wine that Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, would offer would never fit into the old wine skins. For you who study scriptures, I'm quoting scriptures. In other words, many attitudes will need to change before people can honestly claim that they are his disciples and that they have truly and wholeheartedly embraced the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only by living the values of the gospel with our deepest will these longings within our heart the search for happiness will be satisfied. To understand the Beatitudes, many will need a spiritual awakening and a conversion of heart. But my friends, in the past seven and a half years, I have told you this a hundred times. Have you shut it out? Have you chose to ignore it? I pray not. I hope this is not the case. We always need to put the scriptures into context. So uh, in Jesus' time, the culture of his time, the religious authorities of his time, many people of his time believed that if you were rich, that you, and you had a wife, and you had a husband, you had many, many kids, and you had uh, homes and animals and land and gold and jewels that you were blessed and God loved you. That's not a problem. But 
conversely, they would say, if you have none of this, you are punished. You or someone in your family in the past has done something and God is punishing you. That is not true. So Jesus comes down and he gives a homily to correct the bad attitude and the wrong thinking of the people, of the religious authorities, of the government of their time. Can you imagine what that's like to have Jesus come down and refute just about everything that they had come to understand? You see, remember, if you were sick back in Jesus' time, it was because you were possessed by a demon, because you were a sinner. Jesus would come and he would change all of that. So my friends, he came to talk about God's mercy and he came to talk about God's justice also. As individuals, as a church, as a nation, and to all governments, it is our duty to enact justice, but it should represent God's justice in the world. Our Lord shows us where our attention should be on such matters and to hold close to his precepts and to his ways and to his teachings. Because if we do this, it will have both a personal and a political consequence to it in the positive, not in the negative. So my friends, I pray you will listen, embrace, call upon the Holy Spirit to enlighten your minds and your hearts. Have that transformation, that metanoia, that conversion. And in doing so, influence that which is around you. And then you will see the change that so many of us desire before his second coming. My friends, uh, if nothing else from Jesus' homily, the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes from Matthew's Gospel, we can certainly extract from it that uh, following in his ways, we're going to be challenged in this world. There will be challenges and hardships, and, but he said, be happy um, because yours is the kingdom. It will belong to you. My friends, uh, it made me think about St. Teresa of Avila. Uh, she was reforming the Carmelite order back in her time, and uh, it is said in her memoirs that she was in a carriage going to the next town to reform, and it was raining, and when she got out, she tripped somehow and fell into the mud out of the carriage. <laughs> and she said, she told Jesus, why are you doing this to me? I'm trying to help you. And in her memoirs, she responded, this is how I treat all my friends. <laughs> and she is, in her memoirs, said, well, that is why you have so few of them. <laughs> now, whether that conversation really happened, um, but I take it uh, when things get rough for us Christians and remember what she had said.